You'd think that as a video game podcaster and comedian, my life is all fun and games. And honestly, you'd be right. About 90% of the time, it's, it's pretty sweet. But every morning, I deal with something very, very serious. My face. You don't become an Edmonton 6 overnight. It takes work. And in my case, it takes good facial hair. And fortunately, I have a great facial hair tag team partner in Harry's. Hit up harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set and see what I'm talking about. Harry saw the tire fire that the shaving market had become and asked, how did it get like this? Crappy plastic razors, overpriced blades, all locked up like gold bars. And they said, no, we... We can fix this. And damn it, they did. Harry's ships premium quality razors right to your door. About once a month, I check my mail and there's that little box with everything I need to keep my kid presentable status. The blades stay sharp longer, which means an easier time getting my face in order in the morning. And the razors don't look like a dumb piece of plastic that a junior high schooler uses to take care of their peach fuzz. You have the facial hair of a man now. Shave like one. I actually leave my razor handle on the bathroom counter all the time just because it looks so damn classy. Harry's blades are German engineered and they're made to last. They're the best blades on the market for the best price and you don't even have to go out to get them. Set your delivery schedule and shave like a king. I know it sounds sarcastic, but I'm being serious. I've used Harry's forever. These blades are really freaking good. Highest reviews in the industry. A money back guarantee that you're not going to need and a subscription that you can cancel anytime you want. Getting ripped off isn't funny. Switch to Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just 3 bucks at harrys.com slash RTG. That's harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set. Hey guys, before we start this week's episode, I'd like to send a sincere, heartfelt congratulations to my good friends Chris and Heather on the birth of their brand new baby boys. They welcomed a pair of twins into the world Sunday evening. Everyone is healthy and happy and doing well. You guys may know Chris as a frequent guest here on the podcast. He's also makeshift money over on our Twitch community. And uh, you guys did awesome. Congratulations. I'm so happy for you both. And uh, I can't wait to have your boys on the show for like, I don't know, episode 900 or whatever. It ends up being way down the road. Congrats, you guys. everybody welcome back to remember the game it is my retro gaming podcast where every week a buddy of mine and i sit down and we geek out about the games we played back in the day my name is adam blank thank you so much for listening to the show and this week it is episode 120 and i was about to do the 180 thing for darts because i was thinking it was 120 but it's 180 so man in 60 episodes in like a year and change when we hit episode 180 i'm pulling out the 180 Maybe we'll review a darts game or something. But anyway, that doesn't matter. That's that's 60 episodes from now. Today is episode 120, and uh, we're talking Mario 64. Again, if you're a longtime listener to the show or maybe you've been working your way through the backlog, you might know that we covered Super Mario 64 way back on episode 50 of the show. 
And um, and while I didn't necessarily give it the Echo the Dolphin, Big the Cat treatment, uh, I was incredibly critical of Mario 64, and I have been for over 20 years since I originally played it. I've been very critical of that game. But I recently replayed it on the Mario 3D All-Stars compilation on my Switch, and uh, and my mind has changed. It has done a 180. It's it's completely. I I got all 120 stars. This is episode number 120. So all the stars lined up. If you see what I did there, and uh, and I'm alone this week. I don't have a guest. None of my friends have joined me. This was kind of a spur of the moment thing. Um, this episode is actually going to play out kind of like some of our expansion pass episodes do. I'm going to share some of my thoughts. I'm going to share some of our Patreon thoughts on Mario 64 as well. And uh, normally I only get three or four listener thoughts on the game that we're playing, but I got a ton of them this week. I can't share all of them, but I'm going to share some because uh, obviously this is a very important game. And uh, this is going to me attempting to uh, bury the hatchet and apologize to Super Mario 64. I'm going to straight up apologize on the podcast this week. Uh, but speaking of apologies, before we get into that, I'm sorry to tell you that it is time for our fabled Remember the Game intro. And uh, you guys know I usually started off with a minute or two of my own personal ramblings. Uh, the snow is falling as I look out the window here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada right now on October fucking 20th. And I won't lie to you, normally I kind of like winter. I'm one of those weirdos that doesn't mind winter because comedy gets really busy in the winter so I make lots of money. Plus it's an excuse to just hibernate inside and play video games for a few months instead of having to go out and face the the world. But this year we've been doing that since March. Like we did that all summer. Comedy isn't busy. I've been inside playing video games all year. So my favorite parts of winter are pretty fucked up this time around. But just to be a glass half full type of person, which I try to do anyway, uh, less comedy gigs this winter means less white knuckle drives across the frozen prairies here in Alberta this year. Because if you've never driven in northern Alberta or frankly anywhere of Alberta uh, during the winter, I can't describe just how much it fucking sucks. It's just highways in the middle of fields with snow blowing on them and it's fucking 30, 40 below and just it's awful. And a lot of uh, a lot of the comedians I know, myself included, we always joke around that bookers pay us to do the shitty drives. We'll do the shows for free. You're paying us to fucking drive six, seven, eight hours through these frozen fields to get to your goddamn gig. So, so less drives means less work, but it also means more time at home with my girlfriend and my dog, which is awesome. Cause like, dude, I, I was basically doing comedy nonstop for about four years before COVID hit. And, uh, I was not seeing a lot of my family, my girlfriend and my puppy here. And it's been really awesome just kind of hanging out with them and seeing them again. She's working from home too, my girlfriend. So we've seen more of each other in the last six months than we have in years. Uh, So I'm kind of excited about that. And it also means more time to work on Remember the Game, like the podcasts, the Twitch streams, the Let's Plays, hanging out with you hot dogs. And just if uh, some people have asked, if you don't know why I've started calling my listeners hot dogs, it originally began as just a stupid joke on the Twitch stream. And it just kind of stuck. So trust me, if, if I'm calling you a hot dog right now, it's it's the highest praise that I can pay you. I promise. It's, it's a compliment. It's not a bad thing. If I was calling you an onion ring, that would be a bad thing. But a hot dog, that's a compliment. So put that shit in your put that shit in your cap. All right, that's a nice thing. Uh, the podcasts are still going really well. We are at 30 episodes of Expansion Pass, and now this week 
will be the 10th episode of Game Patch, which is my gaming news podcast. And then obviously we're at 120 episodes of this. Uh, if you haven't listened to Game Patch yet and you like my stupid voice and my opinions and the swearing and everything, you should really give it a shot because it's just like this, but I talk about modern gaming news instead. It's like an hour long every week. Uh, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. You can find it on YouTube now. New episodes go live every Monday or or sign up for patreon and get it three days early every week you get it friday morning it's right there you don't work hard on friday anyway so let me help you slack off and just listen to me swear about nintendo's eShop and playstation listening to conversations and xbox not being on iphone and all the other stories that are big in the world of gaming right now you get it friday morning instead of you sign up for patreon plus you get access to our patreon exclusive gaming discussion podcast expansion pass you get access to all old episodes plus the new ones every sunday you can help pick the games we cover on remember the game you can submit comments to be read on the shows and most importantly god damn it you support me and you support remember the games you guys we over 130 of you are doing just that now including our newest patreons retro ghosty ghost x water vincent l and very cool dude thank you guys so 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 much thank you and welcome to remember the game industries um Last Sunday's expansion pass was all about the Sega Dreamcast and why it didn't work and why it's so sad that it didn't work and I kind of apologize for not supporting it when I had the chance. Uh, this Sunday for episode 31 of expansion pass, uh, our Patreons actually picked the topic for the show and in a runaway victory with over 60% of the votes, our favorite scary slash Halloween games will be the focus of Expansion Pass this Sunday. So that should be a lot of fun, maybe a little scary, but it's Halloween. That's the type of shit we got to do, right? So uh, I know I plug the Patreon every week, you guys. I'm sorry, but it is, it's my job, right? I, it's, it literally is my job now. I could not possibly produce all these shows and all this stuff without you guys and your support. If you're new to the show and you're working your way through the back catalog, Thank you so much. Please consider signing up if you can and you like what I'm doing. It's only two bucks. I refuse to put the 120 episodes of Remember the Game behind a paywall. They're there for everyone to enjoy. So this Patreon is how I make that happen and I make it possible. And when we hit 200 Patreons, everyone that signs up is getting a Remember the Game lanyard and a handwritten thank you note from me. I don't have tens of thousands of followers, guys. Everyone that signs up matters. I see you all. I interact with you all. Please consider it. Thank you. I'm done begging. I'll shut up about the Patreon now. And then finally... Uh, as I always plug, I stream on Twitch on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sunday nights. Normally, it is from 8 to 11 p.m. Mountain Time, comedy schedule permitting. Uh, you just look for Member the Game on Twitch. Not Remember, Member the Game on Twitch. It's a lot of fun. Uh, on Sunday, I actually set up a Mario Kart 8 Deluxe game, uh, like a private tournament, and a whole bunch of the listeners of the show and people that come by the Twitch stream were playing with me, and I, and I was playing, and we were all just shit-talking each other and playing Mario Kart. It was fucking awesome. So that's something I'm going to try to do more of, set up games that we can play together on twitch uh every now and then because that was a lot of fun um and then finally i gotta plug this uh, oh two final things um the rays are in the world series the tampa bay rays are in the baseball world series and by the time you hear this at least one game will be in the po- books depending on when you listen uh, i'm a pretty big tampa bay rays fan so if you could all throw a little prayer at the sports gods and just help my little baseball team win a championship that would be fucking super and then the other thing and i don't even have this in my notes i just remembered that i wanted to bring this up if you've never heard of extra life they are a fundraising uh organization for children hospitals and basically people play video games or they stream themselves doing stuff or whatever and then you can it's like a, a walkathon or a marathon except you sponsor people to play video games and then that money goes to children's hospitals and here in edmonton alberta we have the stollery children's hospital which is it's it's an institution 
here in the prairies. It's a great hospital. It takes care of kids from all around Alberta. Um, it's an, and as a, as a severe asthmatic, I spent a lot of time in the hospital myself as a child. So that's a cause that's near and dear to my heart. And the last couple of years they've run their fundraisers. I have wanted to participate, but I haven't been able to because of stand up comedy. And this year they're running their fundraiser on November 6th, 7th, I think that weekend. And I can't do it that weekend. I have shows, but I do have a weekend open in November and I should have had this ready. But again, I didn't put it in my notes. Uh, November 21 and 22, November the 20th to the 22nd. And uh, I'm still working out the details and making sure it's something I can do. But my plan is to do a 24-hour stream uh, and try to raise a little bit of money for Extra Life with this with this platform that we have here and with my comedy following and stuff like that. So keep your eyes posted. I'll post more about that in the next couple of weeks. But I'm going to try to raise some money for the Stollery Children's Hospital. So if you have children or no children or like children or like hospitals, it'd be a great way for you to throw a couple bucks at them and uh, help me raise some money to take care of some sick kids. All right? Good enough. That's enough blowing myself. Let's blow you guys. Let's blow in the cartridge. It is the opening segment of the show. I really got to find a better way to say that. It is the opening segment of our show. I read a few comments and questions from our Patreons, usually gaming related, but not always. And uh, we call it blowing in the cartridge. So let us blow. And I want to start this uh, by following up on a blow from last week. Uh, Super Mary Ho over on Patreon last week wrote in and mentioned that Analog, a company that makes modern consoles to play retro video games, was teasing a new announcement. And we were all hoping, and when I say all, I mean me and Super Mary Ho, we're hoping it would be a Nintendo 64 console, like a modern one. Uh, it was not. Dang it. But I, I did say I would follow up this week and tell you what it was. It turns out their newest product is the Analog Duo. And they describe it on Twitter as, quote, an all-in-one reimagining of perhaps the most underappreciated video game systems of all time, end quote. And it's like a modern-looking retro gaming console, and it can play games. For, uh, it's compatible with the TurboGrafx-16, PC Engine, Super Graphics, TurboGrafx CD, and PC Engine CD-ROM. Hmm. I mean, um, it's cool if you're into those systems, and I guess that makes sense. Um because now you don't have to have four or five little old consoles under your TV. You could just have this thing. Um, and I guess making a new console to just play any one of those systems would probably never be worth the time or money. You combine them all. Maybe you get more fans involved in this thing. Uh, they basically just took all the freak systems and combined them is what this turned out to be, this announcement. They have a good reputation as far as their products go. Trying to get a hold of their products is a little bit of a nightmare. But they have a good reputation for the products that they make. So uh, if you're interested in this thing, I would say check it out because it's probably going to be a pretty quality uh, item. I'm disappointed that there was no Panasonic 3DO support in this thing because the 3DO was fucking rad. My buddy Chris had one and we used to play Road Rash on it all the time. I love that thing. Uh, and I would have liked to have seen a Nintendo 64 system. But I'm not their target demographic anyway. I don't collect old games. I... I'm never going to play a Turbo Graphics PC Engine whatever fucking game, so it doesn't matter. Uh, but that's what the announcement was. I told you I was going to follow up on it this week. I'm sure most of you couldn't sleep since last week's episode because you really wanted to know what the announcement was. Now you know. So if you're a Turbo Graphics collector, fucking check out Analog and you can buy this new system of theirs. As far as the new blows blow, John Quack wrote into us on Patreon and said, Is there a game or games out there that you suck at but you keep coming back to anyway? Uh, yeah, pretty well every game that I fucking play. Uh, no. Uh, well, I do suck at a lot of video games. But no, seriously, um, see, I do normally get mad at games that I suck at and walk away. Uh, 
I've gotten a little better as I've gotten older, but normally if I'm really bad at a game, I just, I'm like, I'm not fucking playing this. So that's why I don't play Madden anymore because I'm fucking terrible at Madden, so I stopped playing it. Overwatch, though. Overwatch was one that I stuck with for a pretty long time, even though I, I suck at it and I don't really play online. Um, I just, I loved the art style of Overwatch. I thought it was a lot of fun. Plus, I could play as Mercy and she was a healer, so I could just kind of hide behind my teammates and just heal everyone and not actually get into the fights myself and i did really well when i played as her so i did play a lot of overwatch despite not being good and i'm actually really bad at sonic at just sonic the hedgehog games but i keep playing them i don't like sonic 2 i have probably tried to beat 20 times i can't beat that fucking game i'm so bad at it but i come back to it every few months and i try it again i just keep banging my head against the sonic case i don't know why uh, i actually have a let's play of sonic of sonic 2 over at youtube.com slash remember the game you can find it over there so sonic is one that i keep coming back to and then like there's probably lots of nes games the uh, back in the day that i was terrible at but i kept going back to them and it, it wasn't so much that i kept going back to them because i loved them i kept going back to them because they were all i had to play so those that would overwatch and sonic would probably be my main answers to that uh, smash brothers a little bit as well but i'm not as bad at smash as i am at overwatch and sonic uh, Adam Anderson wrote into us on the old Patreon service, uh, great name, and said, as a fan of the Ninja Turtles, great franchise, have you watched any of the 2012 to 2017 CGI series from Nickelodeon? And if so, what are your thoughts on it? I thought it was really well done and easily the best series since the original after going in with a lot of skepticism. Uh, Adam, I have indeed watched the 2012 series, or at least the first two seasons. I didn't finish it because it got taken off Netflix here in Canada. Um, and I actually want to say that only the first two seasons got added to Netflix here in Canada to begin with for some fucking reason, but I did watch those first two seasons. My girlfriend and I actually went to Japan a few years ago. You guys have been talking about that a hundred times and that is a long ass flight. And I actually downloaded pretty well the entire first two seasons off Netflix onto my iPad and watched them on the plane and sit in the airport and, uh, and fucking loved it. Cause the same as you, man, I originally was skeptical of it and wrote it off because of the art style and how childish it looked, but it was really fucking good i fell in love with it i thought it was really well done i actually really liked the way they did michelangelo in that series i liked that Raphael was jerk Raphael. um my biggest criticism of that was probably donatello because he's my favorite turtle and i didn't care for the way they did him in that series i didn't like how they made him fall in love with april because i thought it was weird and i also thought it was weird that the guy fuck is his name oh that's gonna drive me crazy Rob Paulson, I think is his name. The guy that did the voice of Raphael in the 87 cartoon did the voice of Donatello in the 2012 cartoon. And I don't know why on earth they did that. I couldn't hear. Every time I heard Donatello talk, I was like, well, that's Raphael. That's not fucking Donatello. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I really liked it. I, I actually, I really liked the early 2000s cartoon as well. I think that's probably my favorite of all their cartoon series. I love the art style in it so much. I probably rank them best to worst. I'd probably go 2003 cartoon, 2012 cartoon, 87 cartoon and then i didn't care for rise of the ninja turtles the newest one at all i i didn't like it at all uh but fucking rights adam good question and same as i say, always say you guys uh a ninja turtles post is, is practically a lock to get read on this show i love the ninja turtles i would love to do a ninja turtles podcast i actually wanted to do one where i just reviewed an episode of the 87 cartoon each week because i have the whole series here on dvd but i didn't know if it'd be any good and i, I just wanted an excuse to watch that cartoon again so um but anyway thanks for talking turtles with me adam good fucking good good email or letter whatever and finally speaking of letters it's letter time it's letter time i'm so bad at singing that and this week's letter comes in from retro ghosty ghost and retro said does anybody miss movies or or, pardon me 
Retro said, does anybody miss movie slash game rental stores as much as me? I know there's still a few out there, but none where I live or travel to. I miss the excitement of going inside a store and wondering if there's any new games to rent or reading the back of a game box carefully because if you fucked up and got a terrible game, there went your entire weekend. Oh man, I love that your your handle is Retro Ghost and you're talking about remembering stuff that is just dead as fuck. I love that. Uh, You're goddamn right. I miss and remember renting video games at those stores. My girlfriend and I were actually just talking about renting games and movies the other day and how fun it was to walk into the store and have all the shelves and you could smell the popcorn if they had a popcorn thing. And I, I specifically, I remember when Super Mario Brothers 3 came out for the NES and I'm sure some of you listening remember this as well. My mom would take us to this video game store, this rental store in Calgary sometimes and every time she would take us there they had this fucking wall of super mario brothers 3 just that bright yellow box and i would run over to it and i would just go over that with my one good eye i would inspect that entire wall praying that one of those yellow boxes had the cartridge behind it because if none of them had it behind it then there was no copies left to rent like for months until we got our own copy that was my go-to and if i found one i was ready to go i'm getting mario 3 and and if i didn't find one then i'd start doing homework on the other games because like you said you were basically just taking a chance at this point you're going by the box art and what it said on the back we didn't have any phones with internet and google and shit like that in our pockets to look up reviews and everyone listening that grew up in that era must have stories of taking a chance on a game getting home and then realizing that it fucking sucked at just ruining your weekend particularly when it came to licensed games like movies and tv shows and stuff because most of those games fucking ate ass but when you weren't sure what to rent do you take a chance on some game you've never heard of like dragon warrior or do you take a chance on back to the future and then you get home and find out back to the future sucks all kinds of ass oh that was the worst feeling man um i have a couple of actually i have a couple nes games bart versus the space mutants uh the original ninja turtles ghostbusters uh that i really like despite not being great games because i would rent them I would bring them home and I would just force myself to play them all weekend because that was the game that I decided to rent. And I know they're not good, but I kept playing them anyway. I'd, I'd argue that the original Ninja Turtles is good, but Barb versus the Space Mutants and Ghostbusters aren't. Uh, oh, man. And my fucking little brother. I have a younger brother. He's three years younger than me. When we were kids, he would fucking... Oh, he would go. He would rent a video game. He'd bring it home. He'd play it for like 20 minutes and then decide he didn't like it. And then he would just play something that we owned instead. And I would get so mad because my mom would make us take turns. You'd get an hour on the Nintendo then he would get an hour on the Nintendo or whatever and I'd be so mad because like I would rent fucking Ninja Turtles 2 and then my brother would be just playing fucking RC Pro-Am that we owned because he rented some shitty game and didn't like it and I'd be like well then you can play RC Pro-Am after this weekend I only have Ninja Turtles for two days let's play Ninja Turtles well I don't want to play Ninja Turtles I want to play RC Pro-Am and then I'd hit him and then we both get kicked off the NES fuck it was great memories until that fucking came up god fucking stupid kid but anyway, thanks, Retro Ghosty Ghost. Good fucking rights. Good good question. I love talking that kind of stuff, man. Uh, that is enough blowing this week. Thanks to everyone that wrote in for the cartridge. Let us get into our smash hit segment. Play one, remake one, erase one. As always, a huge thank you to Classic Concentration for the NES, speaking of games that we would rent, uh, for unknowingly providing us with our theme music 
for Play One, Remake One, Erase One. The rules are simple, you guys. Each week, I give our listeners three retro video games. They can play one as it was released. They can remake another one as a modern AAA title. And the third game is Erased from Time Forever. And this week, it's the NES's 35th birthday, so let's use some NES games edition. Our contestants are Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, Contra, and Batman the Video Game. As always, there are no wrong answers, but there is a correct one. I'll tell you what that is in just a minute. Uh, And also, as always, I I can't read all of them. This segment will go on forever. We get so many comments on this topic every week, but I did see all of them. Thank you to everyone that played. I got as many as I could in. And I got to say, I have not played much Batman on the NES, but it is constantly one of the games people tell me they want to see covered here on Remember the Game. It comes up all the time. So I put it up against two games that I know very well in Contra and Punch-Out to show it a little bit of love to try to be like, hey guys, I see you like that game. Here it is. And it got smashed this week. So many people erased Batman. So now I don't know what to think. Is it good? Is it not good? Do you guys like it? Do you not like it? I just, I got to sit down and fucking play this game, I think. Uh, so we'll get into this, but I, I was shocked at how many people dumped Batman. Uh, and our first contestant this week is X water and X water wrote in and said, I'd play Contra. It still holds up pretty well. And its whole style isn't as well suited to modern game space. I'd remake punch out and include an RPG segment where before each fight, you have to train going up against a strong puncher, do endurance training, mini games, or get your speed up so you can dodge fighting someone with long reach, trade your legs, pardon me, train your legs to close the gap, that kind of stuff. I think it would make punch out kick ass sorry batman i never played you so i got to erase you uh so that's x water's thoughts now see now this batman erasal uh makes sense it is erasal a real word this batman erase makes sense. erasal erase whatever uh, erasing batman he for this reason makes sense x water isn't one of you guys that keeps asking me to do batman and to play batman Never played you, got to erase you. I like that. That's sound logic. I'm going to copyright that saying, by the way. Never played you, got to erase you. We're going to hold on to that. Uh, And I also agree about Contra. That game is as playable right now as it was 30 years ago. Those controls are fucking snare drum tight. So thank you for writing in, X Water. Uh, Geek Life Radio decided to play this week and said, uh, I'd play Mike Tyson's Punch-Out since I still play this about once a week. Leave it alone. It's awesome as it is. I'd remake Contra. We got some garbage renditions of this after the classic original. And unfortunately, I would delete Batman. At least we got some great Batman games after this one to satisfy the comic nerd in me. Um, so now, I got to, like, because Geek Life said uh, we got some garbage renditions of Contra after the original. I got to say, I actually don't like any of the Contra games after the original NES 2 myself. I don't like Contra 3 on the SNES at all. Maybe that's not a popular take, but the screen's just too busy. The controls just don't feel tight. So I'm on board with that. And a common theme, as I mentioned here, is dumping Batman. And a lot of people are saying erase Batman because we have better Batman games now. And it's, and and you're not wrong, but it just, like, I can't dump it for that, man. It'd be like saying, well, we could get rid of Mario Brothers 2 because we have better Mario games today. I understand the thought process, but I can't bring myself to erase a game that I love. So I'm starting to question how many of you people actually love Batman in the first place. Ryan Yeager wrote into us and said, erase Batman. <laughs> and he said, it's ass. And it's already been remade sort of better. Play Punch-Out, the 8-bit version and its graphics and sound are what makes it this game nearly as perfect as it is. And remake Contra, and remake it as an online battle version a la Tetris 99 and Mario 35. That would be wild. I won't lie, Ryan, this got my attention. Calling Batman ass made me laugh. And then a Battle Royale 
Contra game sounds fucking awesome. Leave it as one hit kills you, those little red dots flying everywhere. Goddamn, I would play the fuck out of a Battle Royal 8-bit style Contra game. That'd be so fucking so sick. Uh, like, I know, like, Fortnite and, and Apex and, and, and PUBG, like, the standard Battle Royals have gotten old, but some of the new spins on them have actually been really, really awesome. And that's a fucking great idea. Uh, Josh from the Press Start to Join podcast, friends of the show, check them out. He wrote in and said, I would play Punch-Out, remake Contra, and erase Batman. Punch-Out as it is looks great for its age and the gameplay is super tight. Contra was always a mess, so I'd love to see some better level design, maybe in a 3D environment. And I love how it's a rip-off of so many things, with Stallone and Schwarzenegger as the art for the heroes, and H.R. Geiger alien designs for the boss. And we would, and would we be entering up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA menu button? Nice pull. And then Batman is just too hard for hard sake, and the color... The dark color palette does well for the Batman mood, but it does not translate well to the NES. Uh, thanks for writing in, Josh. I gotta like I love that Contra ripped off so many things. I love that, but I don't know if I agree that it was always a mess. After the first two, then the jury is out. I would agree on that, but I feel like the first two NES Contra games control as tight as Punch Out does. Maybe that's just me. I just I love the controls of those games. And then another erasing Batman. I got like, maybe I overestimated it, putting its greatness, like I, maybe I thought like, oh, hey, it's probably as good as Contra and Punch-Out because everyone keeps blowing smoke up its ass. Maybe it's not. Maybe you guys are all just trying to sucker me into playing a bad game. I'm starting to feel like that's what's happening here. What else we got? A couple more here. Doug Dorn wrote in and said, I feel this one is quite easy. Play Contra simply because I've never played it and I hear it's legendary. Remake Punch-Out because a non-sim boxing game could find a good place in the current Switch library. And then erase Batman. As others have said, there are plenty of good Batman games since, so it's disappearing won't end the world. Doug, you've never played Contra? Ooh, that, like, my good eyes twitching. And like, and I try not to be that guy because between movies I haven't seen and games I haven't played and listeners of this podcast yelling me for not seeing movies or not playing video games, I get yelled at every week. So I try not to be that guy that doesn't yell at somebody for not playing a game. But Jesus Christ, Doug, I'm not blocking you, but you're on my watch list. Play Contra, play it or Super C, play one at least. My God, fucking not full. Oh. Anyway. Thank you for playing, Doug. Go play fucking Contra now. Um, and at least there's a couple of you not erasing Batman. I got a couple of these I want to read. Keegs wrote in and said, play Punch-Out because it's a classic. Enough said. Remake Batman. It was super dope. It was a super dope licensed game. And even just giving it a graphics update would be cool. Erase Contra. There's a million other Contra games that did it better. So sorry. Now, I don't know if I agree with you, Keegs, that a bunch of Contra games did it better. As I've been saying, the NES ones are the best. But I would, I could live without it as long as we had Super C. And I was thinking, well, if you get rid of Contra, do you get rid of Super C? That's always one of the one of the questions here on Play One Remake One or Race One. But now Wyman Brooks wrote into us on Patreon and pointed out that Super C and Contra are both ports of original of arcade games, which I didn't know. Uh, so if we erase Contra, it wouldn't erase Super C because the arcade game would probably still exist. So fucking right. So I, I mean. Ah, I can live with a racing Contra if you get Super C, but I wouldn't say a million did it better. Um, and then finally, Yamcha wrote into us and said, okay, so this one's a bit easier. One of my all-time favorite games is on the list. So play Contra because I only got to play Super C. Remake Batman because I love that game and I can't get enough of the 89 Batman art style. And erase Punch-Out because I never played it and I'm not great at boxing games. Now, Yamcha was the 
only one of all my comments that said erase punch out. And you guys want to know something? And please don't stop listening to the show. I agree. I that's reluctantly. That's what I would do as well. I would I would play Contra because of these three games. It's my favorite anyway. I love Contra and Super C. You guys have heard that the right amount of challenge, tight controls. I have no idea how the fuck we haven't covered Contra on this podcast yet. We got to fix that soon. I got to fix that. I would remake Batman despite barely ever playing it. And that's just because I would want it made as a 16-bit style game instead. I had Batman Forever on my Super Nintendo and it sucked so much ass. But I played it like crazy anyways because Batman games are fun to play. And by most accounts, Batman on the NES was good. So I'd make it into an SNES Batman, make it look kind of like Batman Forever. And by default, it would just get better because it'd be the SNES version. And then I'd play the fuck out of it. And I know... To say this on a retro gaming podcast is sacrilege, but I would I would erase Mike Tyson's Punch-Out for two reasons. Hear me out. For two reasons. A, Super Punch-Out is the better game, and I will go to my grave arguing that. Super Punch-Out is better than regular Punch-Out. And two, I can't beat it. I I know I can't beat it. I'll never beat it. Soda Popinski fucking shows up in my nightmare sometimes. So it can just, I'm done getting angry at Mike Tyson's punch out. It can fucking go, give me Contra, remake Batman, and I'll just go play Super Punch Out. So that is my answer. Thank you to all of you that played. I'm sorry I can't read them all. You guys know I try every week. Keep playing, keep writing in. I'll make sure you get on the show sooner than later. And then one more thing before I get into what I've been playing and then we go to Mario 64 talk. This is usually where I do gaming news and this isn't necessarily news, but it is very important. Uh, October 18th was the 35th anniversary of the NES's release here in North America. And I would be doing this hobby and this genre of a podcast an incredible disservice if I didn't just give a minute of airtime to the birthday of the NES. I would have been, it came out on October 18th, 1985. So I would have been about a month shy of two years old when the NES came out. I don't remember when we got one. I don't remember when my parents bought it, but I've said it many, many times. I can't remember a time in my house where we did not have a Nintendo system. The NES, the Super Nintendo, the Nintendo 64, the game. I can't remember. I can never, I don't remember ever not having a Nintendo, right? No junk, like, or pardon me, no joke. Like some of my earliest memories in life are playing NES. Like, like, you know, you have like anyone that's old like me, I'm 36. If you're old like me, there's like those first five or six years, you just have two or three kind of spotty memories. You know what I mean? And most of mine are from playing NES, like Ninja Turtles, Simpsons, Mario 3, Mario, Paper, uh, Paper Boy, Bubble Bobble, Dr. Mario, Castlevania, DuckTales, Chip and Dale, Mega Man, Contra. And before all of those and ahead of all of those is Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt, that package. I've said it before, but we haven't covered Super Mario Brothers on Remember the Game yet because I'm just not sure how to do it and how to do that game justice. It's the single most important piece of art, media, whatever in my entire life i i it's it's that game changed my life and then i I love the nes controller i love that fucking little red light that wouldn't work sometimes and it would just blink and then you have to take the game out and blow in it and then put it back in even though you weren't supposed to do that it wouldn't change anything i love that little hatch that kind of like like this creaks when you open it and close it we had a game genie that we would use all the time when i was a kid i loved renting games we'd try them in the game genie see what we could do just the snes is my favorite console but the nes is my first love does that like you know what i'm saying like this this podcast wouldn't exist without the nes who knows what gaming would look like today 
without the NES. Like we did an episode of Expansion Pass a few weeks ago where I ranked my top 20 NES games and I had a list of about 50 that I had a really hard time whittling down. It's the only console I've done that for so far because I I just have an attachment to that system that I don't have to any other non-living entity on the planet. I just, I love the NES so much. So happy 35th Nintendo Entertainment System. You are the fucking Babe Ruth of gaming consoles and if this if this wasn't episode 120 that lines up so well with mario 64's 120 stars and i could not play up that i would have dedicated this episode to blowing smoke up your ass or your cartridge slot at least so happy birthday buddy fucking any ah fucking nes guy i love that thing uh all right what have i been playing and then i'll finally i was gonna say i'll finally shut up but i'll keep talking but we'll get into mario 64 what have i been playing over the last week uh, I finished South Park on the original PlayStation as it won our Patreon poll this month. Fucking horrible. You'll probably get that episode next week, and it will not be as positive as the one you're about to listen to, I promise. Side note, fuck you to everyone that voted for that game, because it sucks. And if you're thinking, hey, I remember playing that, it wasn't that bad, fucking play it again. It sucks. Uh, I'm still playing Wasteland 3 on my Xbox One. I really got to put more time into it, but like, it's just so, the story is so deep and I just haven't had time to sit down and just get lost in it for, you know, three or four hours. I'm really going to try to do that this weekend. I got a little bit of downtime. I'm going to try to play some Wasteland 3. So I'm really digging it. It's a lot of fun. I'm also playing Hades on my Switch still. And the more I play it, the more I like it. I don't, like, I, hmm, I can't decide if I like it better than Dead Cells. I feel they're similar. If you haven't played Dead Cells, it's another roguelike hack and slash. You get different weapons and you get stronger every time. They're very similar in certain ways. So I don't know if I like it better than Dead Cells, but the fact that I put it in the same tier as Dead Cells is incredibly high praise because I have a lot of time for Dead Cells. And Hades is fucking dope. I'm really digging it. Uh, And then I'm getting into Aladdin on my SNES. Uh, for Adam Sucks at Video Games, as per the Patreon request, there will be a Let's Play series of that up probably the next few days. Uh, we'll probably do an episode of the show, Remember the Game, about Aladdin uh, sooner than later as well. It's, it's, I'll save it for the show. It's, it's, it's okay. I'll save it for the show. Uh, and that's it. That is good enough. We've been talking for like fucking almost 40 minutes and we haven't even brought up Mario 64 yet. So let's get into that. And I like to give you guys a chance to share your thoughts on games before I indulge myself and ramble for a while. And I'm going to read some more during the podcast, but I got a couple I wanted to get out of the way right off the top because I know particularly with Mario 64, how special this game is to some people. That's awesome. I know to some people, this is to you what Super Mario Brothers is to me. And I understand that. So I got a couple I want to share, then we'll get into my conversation, or I guess me blabbing, and more of your thoughts. Adam Anderson wrote into us on Patreon and said, This game just makes me happy. Right from where it loads, and you hear Charles voice Mario for the first time, this game just grabs you. Hopping into the first painting and the music from Babam Battlefield takes me back to being a kid every time. And yes, Adam, I'm going to bring that up in a minute, but that, oh, hearing Mario say hello, and then that music from that first level whoa just chills you guys probably got them when you because i guarantee you that's the music i played at the beginning of the episode and you probably got those same fucking chills that i got when i heard it again so good and then vincent l wrote into us on patreon and vincent said i grew up with mario 64 it's a classic a staple to the nintendo 64 collection that has withstood the test of time i grew up watching my big brother play this game as he would defeat all three bowsers with no problem what a flex even though this game has its flaws it still has a very special place in my heart Thanks, Vincent. I love that. I love that. I got a a great way to fucking get into this episode. This is going to be a very special episode, you guys. There aren't a ton of games that have this effect on people, and I respect that connection, and I want to get into it right now. So let's cue up some kick-ass, retro, nostalgia-triggering music. (laughs) 
and let's re-review and apologize Mario or to Super Mario 64. Fuck, I was so close to a great outro and I fucked that up. But let's re-review Super Mario 64 and I'm going to throw it an apology. It originally launched alongside the Nintendo 64 in North America on September 29th, 1996. Let's go. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Podcasting's a weird job because I talk to you nerds all the time. Every day, I tell you all about my life, the good and the bad. The ugly, I kind of keep that offline. And it's not that I don't want to talk about it. I'd love to talk about it. I just need to pick and choose who I talk to. We all have stuff that just lives in our minds, rent-free, 24-7. Talking about them can really help because the longer you keep something bottled up, the more likely it is to blow. You've heard me say it before and you're going to keep hearing me say it. Therapy is the way. Therapists can be that ear to bend when you really need to get something off your chest and don't know who to talk to. And BetterHelp is a great way to go about it. I don't BS you guys. I don't say I've used something if I've never used it. I've personally talked to a BetterHelp therapist about the stuff going on in my personal life, and I genuinely found it helpful. To have someone to talk to that doesn't have any skin in the game, that can just listen and try to help me come up with a roadmap to get through the tough times... It's just invaluable. It has seriously really helped me. I've talked to my therapist through video and you can do it that way or you can do it over the phone or even just over chat and they give you as many schedule options as possible so you can work a session in around your life. It's licensed therapy as convenient as it gets. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash remember the game today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash remember the game. So for Game Patch and Expansion Pass, those are the two podcasts that I host solo every week. Uh, I write out quite a few notes. I, I wouldn't call it necessarily a script per se, but I make sure to write down everything that I want to talk about. I'm not doing that for this. Remember, the game is all about memories, nostalgia. It's off the cuff. So I'm just going to speak from my heart this week. I have a couple of quick notes so I don't forget to bring up the stuff I want to bring up. And we're just going to let it flow and just let it happen. It's going to be like flying in Mario 64, except way better. It's just going to be fucking smooth and... Okay, I guess it's nothing like... Somebody might have turned the podcast off right there if they heard that this episode was going to be like the flying in Mario 64. It's a terrible create. It's a terrible, terrible analogy, but it's it's going to be good. It's going to be fun. It's going to be smooth. Uh, a quick backstory. If you're newer to the podcast, I'm a huge Mario fan. I'm a big platforming fan. It's my favorite games. Uh, Mario's my favorite series of all time. Platforming is my favorite genre of all time. I've played and beaten all of the mainline core Mario games. But I've always had a beef with Super Mario 64. I remember getting it and Mario Kart when we got our Nintendo 64 back in the day. And I played so much more Mario Kart than I did Super Mario 64. Because I just, I didn't like it. I I fucking hated 3D. I wanted Mario in 2D without a stupid camera that I had to try to control. Just run from left to right. Just run, jump, 
Easy. That's that's what I wanted. I did beat Mario 64, and then I said I was done. Never again. And uh, and frankly, I felt the same way about Mario Sunshine and most other 3D platformers. Mario Galaxy was the first 3D platformer I played that I really thought got it right, that really got a hold of me. And to this day, I still think a lot of my beefs with Mario 64 are legit. And I am going to get into those. It's got its faults, and I'm not going to ignore those faults. But it's also one of the single most important and iconic video games of all time. And I'm not pig-headed or stupid or stubborn enough to ignore that fact. So we reviewed Mario 64 way back on episode 50, 70 episodes ago. It's like a year and a half ago. And I intended to rip it and echo the dolphin side's hole in its ass. I came into episode 50 ready to light Mario 64 up. I did end up tearing it up too hard because I have too much goddamn respect for it. But I also did say that I don't think it's that great or that fun and that I do think it's overrated. So when Mario 3D All-Stars dropped last month on the Nintendo Switch, obviously I bought it, and I decided I was going to replay Mario 64 for the first time since the 90s, and I did a full 120-star run. There's pics on my social media for you pics or it didn't happen, wankers. There's pics over there to prove it. And, uh, and it really changed my mind. And we're going to go over the good and the bad of this game right now because it's not perfect. But a bunch of our Patreons shared that their memory or shared their memories with me as well. I'm going to share a bunch of them. This is this is going to be a heartfelt. There's a lot more good than bad, and a lot more good than I remember there being in this game. And I want to clean this up, and I want to fix it, and I want to start this whole thing before I read any of your comments or get into the, what I like or what I don't like. I want to start this off by doing something that I haven't done in 120 episodes of Remember the Game, and something that I may not ever do and remember the game again. And I want to apologize. I want to apologize to Super Mario 64 and to Shigeru Miyamoto and everyone else that was responsible for that game. I severely underrated it. I had so much fun playing through this game this time around. So much. It still got, I still got stuck a few times, particularly when it comes to the flying, which is fucking horrendous. We're going to get there. But I, it was really fun. It was, I just, I, it was just, it's Mario. And it was like, this is what I wanted from Mario. It's just, it's just fun. And it, I don't know why it didn't click with me earlier and why it did click with me now. But it just, fuck man, it just finally just set into that, it was like a, a Tetris piece. That line just falling into that fucking column perfectly. That's what happened with this game this time when I played it. And it, like, what really makes me happy about that is the fact that I know how special this game is for so many people. And even when I was really sour on it, I understood why. Because like it's, it's charming, it's colorful, the music gets stuck in your head for days. It triggers those warm, fuzzy, nostalgic feelings like few games do. But I didn't get those feelings, and now I get them too. So now I'm one of you guys. I get it. I get the love. Wyman Brooks wrote into us on Patreon and said, I saved up and bought a Nintendo 64 as a 6th grader at some point after the initial release of the console, so I didn't get the game and the console on day one. When my parents didn't want to get me the new system, I actually ended up getting Mario RPG that came out the same year, which my childhood brain equated to a different version of a 3D Mario, and it actually worked out because that's a classic in its own right. By the time I got the Nintendo 64, GoldenEye was out. It blew me away. I was also really into Diddy Kong Racing and some other multiplayer games. I'm not sure why, but I had no desire to play Mario Mario 64 at first. Uh, I think as a child of the late 80s, I liked my Mario 2D, and I still preferred that way. We ended up getting a copy of Mario 64... Um, 
as my younger brother was born in 91, and this really is his Mario. Needless to say, watching him play completely sucked me in, and I have a ton of fond memories of us playing this together. I have vivid memories of coming home from hockey and seeing him play this game for the first time, being mesmerized by how colorful and fun this game looked. We're over four years apart, and this was the first game we really bonded over and learned together as we worked toward 120 stars. And I know that's a long comment and a long email, but I fucking love that. That is a great story. And I... I... I'm going to try my best to not keep repeating myself, but it just, I get how big a game this is. And I'm so glad that I feel the same way now. I fucking rights, baby. And it was weird because this always is a one player game. And I, that's just fucking weird to me because like Mario 1, Mario 3, Super Mario World, they were two player and second player got to be Luigi. And then Mario 64 comes out and the 464 has four controller ports. So you're thinking like, oh man, maybe I could play Mario 64 four player. And then it turns out it's just a one player game. That is just it's so weird to me and i know there was like a leak a few months ago where someone hacked it to nintendo and got a bunch of their old files and there was like it looks like at one point luigi was gonna be in the game and then he wasn't but i'm really floored they didn't put a two-player mode in here like you die a ton if you're not good which i'm not you die a ton in mario 64 would it not have just made sense to have a, a second player be luigi and then you both go into peach's castle and then one goes one way and then one goes the other way and you work together to get the star. I just, I was floored that it's, I'm, I'm really shocked that it's not a two player game, but that's a great story. Bonding with your brother over my brother and I did the opposite. He loved Mario 64 and I'd get mad at him because I wanted to play Mario Kart and he insisted on playing fucking Mario 64. Miles from bringbackretro.com wrote in and said, this is my all-time favorite game, the kind of game that I will never get bored of. If anyone had a Nintendo 64 on release, unless they were the weird kid with pilot wings, they had this game. I didn't know any of those kids, by the way. I was I was, and still am obsessed with how good this game is and how the speedrunning community is still all over this game. I think it's still the most sped run game is it sped run or speed ran? I don't know how you would say that, but it's still the most speed ran game to date. Uh, however, I wasn't a fan of the DS re-release, and I haven't played it on anything bar the Nintendo 64s. That's my favorite controller. Yes, I may need counseling after admitting that. Yes, you fucking do, Miles. Okay, that controller, fuck me. I think that's part of the reason Nintendo 60, or Mario 64 finally clicked with me. Dude, I had so much more fun, and I found it so much more playable playing it in my handheld Switch mode with the Joy-Cons or with the Pro Controller particularly, as opposed to trying to play with that fucking abomination of the Nintendo 64 controller. I hate that fucking thing. I hate that controller. Fuck me. Uh, and that's a great way to get into this and really breaking down the stuff I like about this game. People have been breaking Mario 3D All-Stars balls since that package was announced. There's no Mario Galaxy 2. There's no bells and whistles. There's no remasters. They didn't clean up anything. It's not high def, whatever. I don't think that those are issues personally, but that's a different debate for a different show. Either way, I was so excited. As a Mario fan, as a Nintendo fan, when they announced that package, I, I broke my pre-order rule and was like, day one, I'm getting my hands on 3D All-Stars. And when I loaded that game up on my Switch and I turned on Mario 64 because I was like, I'm going to play them in order, and that fucking title screen comes up and you hear that, it's a me, a Mario. And then he does the, hello. I, And you could do the stretching of his face, you know, where you control that gloved hand. You Remember, you could pull his nose over his eyes and just make him look all fucking elephant man-y like... He, even when I was completely against this game and a total critic, that gave me nostalgic chills. You know what I mean? It's just so iconic, that that fucking, oh, the hello. And then you fire up the game, and he jumps out of that pipe, and he's outside of Princess Peach's castle, and Lakitu is flying around. He's got the camera on the fishing pole, 
and I was just, I was 13 again. There is just there is something so magical about running around the outside of that castle. I right anyone listening to this, and I'm sure 99% of you listening to this have played Mario 64. You know what I'm talking about. Running around that castle is just. We'd never seen that before. It was the coolest thing to see that castle in 3D and to see everything else and finally see all the shit that we've just kind of imagined how it would look like. Was and to hear Mario talk as he did jumps and things was just the wildest shit. Like another game that I've been very critical of is Ocarina of Time, and I feel like stepping out into the Hyrule Field in Ocarina of Time and then jumping out of that pipe and being outside of the castle. Those are. Fuck, those might be two of the most all-time standout moments in video games. They just, it's, to, I don't know if it, it's just as special. I don't know if it's, if you're not a baseball fan, you're not going to understand what I'm saying. But when you go to a baseball game, if you're a baseball fan, every time you walk out of the concourse and see the diamond for the first time, uh, it, oh, it's just the greatest feeling. And that's how I feel outside of that castle. It's just so magic. It's magical. I know it sounds like such a stupid word to say, but it's just so magic and special and 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 the game dude like i just and i couldn't believe it. he hops out of that pipe and like it's just it's so bright and mario's got that bright red and blue and the white and it's against that green grass and the blue sky and even the dirt path looks good and just i know it's really pixelated and stuff like that but just to see all these bright colors and 3d clashing with each other was like the looks so good you guys and then the first level like it's fine but the music Oh, that music when you go into a bomb battlefield, like we mentioned earlier. Ah, oh, it just makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside, you know? And even then, when I was playing it on 3D All-Stars, even then I got to that music and I had the warm fuzzies and stuff and I still was like, I'm going to get my 70 stars, I'm going to beat Bowser, I'm going to shut this down and I'm going to go play something better. And I think it was probably... I can't remember what star it is where you race Koopa the Quick up the mountain. It's one of the first stars. I think it's the second one. I think you fight the bomb King and then you race... Koopa the Quick. But anyway, if you know what I'm talking about, you race this giant Koopa Trooper to the top of this mountain. And I had Mario doing all these jumps. This is on my replay on 3D All-Stars. I had Mario doing all these jumps that I, I know like the back of my hand now, like the triple jump and the duck backflip super jump and the, the cutting an edge and then sideways cartwheeling jumping. And and it, and it just, it felt so good and it, and it just clicked. And it finally, it did not click with me when I played it the first time, but it clicked this time. And I started to warm up a little bit and I started to be like, all right, man, this isn't so bad. It's like, you know, it's like the fucking a cat that you hate at first. And every time the cat comes around, you just like him a little more. Um, and then as the levels went on and each star went on, they all did, they just made me feel like a, a kid again. And it was like, and I was just, I was so engrossed and, and even the bright yellow coins, they're so big and the way they spin and when you get them and just, and the more I played, the, the, the happier I was and the game just started to make more and more and more sense. And it just, fuck me, dude. And it has been so long since I played this game. I have not played Mario 64 since the nineties and it's 2020 now. And like, it just, so the game almost felt new again. Cause I couldn't even remember where to go for half the stars or to find certain levels and it was like experiencing it for the first time, but but you know, almost deja vu because I knew the music, I knew the sound effects, but it was also like playing a game for the first time. And it was just, I don't think I've ever felt that way playing a video game. It was so weird, man. And, and I couldn't remember everywhere I had to go. I knew I was doing some levels in the wrong order. I'd find a new painting and go in and find out that I'd skipped like three levels and I didn't know where they were. Or I'd be getting stars in the wrong order. 
you know, because it does have Mario Odyssey undertones to it where you see stars all over the level and you know you can grab a specific or you're supposed to get a specific one, but you can go get any other one if you can see it. And then you, you're collecting them out of order and you can play the levels in any order you want kind of as you're finding them and just so I can see because I love Mario Odyssey and I can see the inspirations that Mario Odyssey drew from this game. Um, oh, it just clicked so well. And it was it's all standard stuff now, but it was all so new back then. You know, and it's, and I think maybe part of the reason I enjoyed this playthrough so much was because I love Mario so much. And, and now I can finally appreciate where it started, like where 3D Mario started. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the camera, the open world, the random order. It, oh, it just felt so good. Dude, I love, I love that random stars just pop up in the castle. And, and I love that the castle makes sense and the castle is its own level. And you don't like, you're like, I don't know what's behind that door. But then you open the door and then there's another painting that you didn't know was coming and it all just felt right. And there's an upstairs and then an up upstairs and a basement and a courtyard and Princess Peach's bedroom or whatever the, that room with just the windows. I guess it's her bedroom. And there's, and there's a courtyard with a pond in it and ghosts and there's, there's the, there's, there's that lake outside and there, there's pipes in the basement for plumbing and the, none of it feels out of place and it feels like the only limitation to how much you can explore is you and is your imagination do you know what i'm saying like and just to finally see this castle that we that we knew existed but to finally see what it looks like in in 3d and to see it in fuck man and i'm gonna break down each of the levels in a minute i'm gonna go through every single all 15 stages and just give you my quick thoughts on each one because there are some of them that i like and there's some of them that i don't but making Making Peach's castle the hub, making that the overworld as opposed to having an overworld that is just, you know, like a, like a, as much as I love Super Mario World, as opposed to just having a basic flat two dimensional map to navigate around, to have like an actual giant 3D hub to explore and have it make sense and actually have doors and basements and stuff like that was, it's fucking genius. It is, it is fucking genius they like the fact that Miyamoto and Nintendo they still found a way to get the desert level the fire levels the water levels ices caves grass the giant world to get all those levels in but to make them in any order you want and make them in a fashion that makes complete sense is so clever because this hadn't been done before and I'm yeah I know I mean I guess you could argue jumping into a painting doesn't make a lot of sense I get that but like but it's no different than just picking a level on a map right? I don't think that that doesn't matter to me. Plus, I fucking love the ripple effect when you jump into a painting. And I love that you can triple jump into a painting or you can jump and then do that little dive thing that he does or you can do the backflip jump in. And like, there's even fun ways to jump into the paintings, man. I fucking love that, man. I, oh, I think Bowser looks great in this game too. Dude, he's so, he's my guy. Everyone knows. I'm a, I'm a huge Bowser fan, right? He's, he's my man. And he looks so cool in this game. I know he's really blocky and, and primitive and, 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 and pixelated. And I know Mario is too and everything is. But obviously this was the first one. That'd be like going back to play Super Mario Brothers, the original one. And then being like, well, he's just a fucking square. Like, of course he is. He's the first one. I love the way he looks. I love the way they established how big he is. They hadn't done that with the original games, with the with the 2D games. And this time, we finally got to see Bowser in 3D. And you really got a grasp of just, like, how giant this fucking lizard is compared to Mario. I love that. I hate that he talks. I don't like it anytime he talks in a game. But I guess you don't have a choice. You got to make him talk, I suppose. Uh, and then, of course, the iconic boss fights, where you get behind him and you grab him by his tail and you twirl him around and you throw him, which is mostly awesome. I like the... I loved... I will say, even when I was really hard on this game... I loved the concept of grabbing Bowser's tail 
and like spinning him around in circles and throwing him. That was always cool. Uh, I do hate how fucking hard it is to stick the landing on your throws. It's not too bad when you're on the early boss fights and you can just kind of lob them over to the bombs and then get really close and then spin them and just drop them in. But like that last boss fight, the last time you throw them into a bomb where the the island you're battling on turns into a star and then all the bombs are pretty far away. So if you want to hit one with them, you really got to get spinning them fast and then let go. And it's just so fucking hard to nail the timing. I hate that. But other than that, I fucking love that. And it was such a great use of that stupid joystick and that horrible Nintendo 64 controller where you just spun it around and around and around and the way oh that's another thing the way they fucking worked in stuff like how the analog stick and how you could make Mario tippy toe and you could tiptoe past like piranha plants that were sleeping or you can make them run fast or you can make them walk it just so many little innovations you know what I mean I fucking love all that stuff I love all that stuff I love the way Bowser looks I, I fucking love oh oh this is you're not getting angry at him this week you're getting fucking super happy passionate you're wondering if maybe he's got a little bit of an unhealthy obsession with video games at him this week i love the platforming levels that you have to go through to get to bowser i fucking adore those same as mario sunshine my favorite part of mario sunshine is those platforming levels where there's like the acapella music and you just have to there's nothing but platforming you don't have your you don't have flood and in mario 64 i love those platforming levels where you have to get to mar or to bowser and in the way the music plays that music if i haven't already put that music in here i'm gonna put that music will be in this episode it probably already was i love that fucking music man oh i love it fuck i i'm so glad to finally like this game fuck me Let's get into the levels quick. I want to go, I'm going to rock it through them. I'm just going to share a few thoughts on every single level because I know some of you have asked, you wanted to hear my thoughts on a particular level here or there. So I'll go through all of them. Uh, The first, so I think at this point you all know that I think Peach's Castle is fucking awesome. Uh, That's just like the coolest thing in the world to me. But then you go to the individual levels. The bomb battlefield is fine. Uh, it's like your standard level one, right? There's, there's grass. There's no real way to fall off the stage without trying. It's pretty hard to die. It's it just teaches you the basics. It's fine. It's level. It's world one. It's world one in any in any Mario game. Womp's Fortress, the second one, and that's the one where it's like the giant, like the castle's kind of on top of the hill, and there's the those big brick guys with the band aids holding them together, and the thwomps. That one always irritated me as a kid, and and it kind of still does because. And this is one of my criticisms of Mario 64 that still stands. One that I threw at it back then, that I stand by now. Mario fucking slides like he's on ice every time he leaves his feet. So if you accidentally wall jump into a wall and then don't hit the jump on in time and hit it with your head, then he does that like, oh, and then he falls down on his ass. But if you land on anything that's even remotely a hill, then he starts fucking sliding. Everything is just greased up. There's no friction. And I don't get why so many stages have to just be these floating islands where you accidentally fall off the stage all the time just because you missed one little jump. Like, why not make them all like stage one where it's so hard for me to just fall off the edges of this island? That fucking... And I think there's got to be some people listening that are like, yeah, fuck yeah. Dude, there's one star in this world where you need to shoot the out of the cannon and hit the corner of a brick wall and break it away and then there's a star inside. But if you miss that brick wall, then there's a pretty good chance you just shoot yourself right off the side of the fucking island and then you just have to start the level over and you lose another life. I fucking hate that. So I don't particularly care for Womp's Fortress outside of the giant brick guys that you can jump on with the band-aids on their back. I like that uh jolly roger bay is the third one and that's the one where you kind of start out you're in like a cave 
I guess, and you start out on like a little beach and there's like a pirate ship, but then most of it you spend swimming down underwater and uh, it kind of sucks. Like, the swimming in this game is not that good, right? I just hate, like, even 2D Mario, I could live without the swimming levels. I'm not a swimming guy. I love the music. Someone said when I was Twitch streaming this that that music is like the most calming music in the world. You're not wrong. The music's great. Uh, but like, but between the swimming and then, and then trying to do that fucking star where you got to get the cannon and it shoots you at those spikes and you got to shoot just right to grab a hold of one of those spikes and then jump across them to the little island to get this. Eh, I could, I could, I could leave Jolly Roger Bay behind because it sucks when you miss a jump. It's, you don't die, but then you just got to swim all the way back to the start and fucking try. Fuck off. Fuck off with the swimming. If I want to play a swimming game, I'll go play Echo. All right, I'll suffer there. I don't need swimming in my fucking platforms. I don't like that level that much. Uh, cool, cool mountain. It's pretty dope. It's an ice level, and normally I don't care for ice levels, but cool, cool mountain's pretty rad. Because first of all, you're pretty used to fucking sliding everywhere at this point. Because Mario fucking does it anyway, so sliding around really isn't that big a deal. You get to race down that giant slide, and you get to race against the penguin, and that's really fun. And you get to kill a baby penguin. And listen, if you don't kill the baby penguin in cool cool mountain at some point you're the monster don't you fucking look at us don't you look at us people that do kill the penguin and think you're a horrible person you're the fucking horrible person and you need to look in the mirror and go kill a baby penguin so i i like fucking cool cool mountain i like that level uh big boo's haunt the ghost level is it's not really my jam but I traditionally think that ghost house levels are amongst the weakest in Mario games. So I don't really have anything else to say there. It's nice that you can't fall off a fucking edge and just die. I just don't really like ghost houses. Uh, Hazy Maze Cave, I like a lot. A lot. That, and you know what I like about Hazy Maze Cave too? Much like the ghost house, is those aren't just hand... Those levels are like kind of hidden. Like they're not just paintings hanging on the wall. To get into to get into the ghost house level, you have to go into the courtyard and kill the one boo who has the ghost house in him. And to go to the Hazy Maze Cave, you basically have to go into the basement and find like the plumbing room. And then you jump into this, what looks like a fucking septic tank pool. And then you end up in this Hazy Maze Cave. But I like that they changed it up. They're not just paintings hanging on the wall the whole time. Uh, this level's big and it's, it's fun. There's lots to explore. I feel like it might... I don't know if it's the biggest level in the game. Probably not, I guess, because some of the later ones are pretty big. But it feels like one of the bigger levels of the game. It's a lot. It feels like it's one that takes some time to explore and see everything. And there's a nice variety of stars. Uh, the floating platforms with the four arrows on them and you stand on whatever direction you're standing on, the platform goes that way. I think that's a really nice reference to Mario 3 as well. So I, I got a lot of time for Hazy Maze Cave. I like that. Plus, I like that name. I like that level a lot. Uh, lethal, lethal lava land, uh, is the next level. And that's the one in the basement with the big fire picture. That's my favorite level in the game. Uh, actually. And I, I like the way that like when you touch fire, you can recover from it as opposed to just being an instant death. And I'm sure you all remember whenever Mario touches fire, or falls in the lava or anything, it shoots him up in the air and he does the like, whoa, and his ass is smoky. And then he lands and he runs around like an idiot for about three seconds. And you just got to try to keep him out of the lava because it's so easy, dude. We've all done it. You touch the fire once and then Mario lands and he starts running around like a jackass. And then he runs back into the fire and does it again and then he dies. But I like that if you can keep him calm, if you can control him and just focus for two seconds, then you're like, okay, he's not running anymore. And you could carry on with the game. I love that level, dude. Plus, surfing around on the shell in the lava is a little frustrating at times, but it's so much fun. I love the music and the way it feels. That level fucking kicks ass. My favorite level in the game. Lethal Lava Land. But then following that is Shifting Sandland, and that level fucking sucks. Fucking 
sucks. Desert levels always suck. And this one really sucks. You've got to fly there too much and the flying isn't fun. The controls are broken and that stupid fucking bird takes your hat and then you got to fly again just to go get your hat back from the stupid bird and you get two inches away from the bird but then for some reason you don't touch him so then he keeps your fucking hat and then instead of touching him you touch a wall and then you fall into quicksand and it kills you and then you got to start all over again and you still don't have your hat so you burn lives trying to get your hat back from that fucking bird instead of just going after the stars and fuck that level in its ass i hate that level that is the worst level in the game and if you're thinking no the clock or rainbow no 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 shifting sand land is the fucking worst level in the game inside the pyramid is cool i will give it that it's fun when you're in the pyramid but that main world with the flying and fuck me i hate it i fucking hate it um dire dire docks is okay for a swimming level i like it more than the other swimming level Minus, it's got those two fucking, like, like suction whirlpool thingies. I don't know if you guys can remember or not. And I I want to say that one kills you. And I know at least one of them doesn't even kill you. It does. I don't think it takes a life. It just kicks you out to that lake, out, of the, out in the overworld, outside of the castle. And so if you accidentally get sucked into that, then you just have to fucking swim out of that lake, run back across the courtyard, go back into the castle, go back down. And, uh, that's annoying. Just kill me fucking just kill me and then just put me back in the level i would much prefer if you just killed me drop me outside of the level and let me start again don't make me fucking run through the entire goddamn castle every time i fucking hated that but other than that i like that level uh snowman's land is okay it's not as good as cool cool mountain because you can't kill any baby penguins but for an ice level it's not terrible uh wet dry world wet dry world takes a lot of shit and I don't think it deserves it. I like that level a lot. I would say it's probably my second favorite level in the game. It's a very clever puzzle. If you don't remember this one, because this is one of the later levels in the game, there's like a giant brick kind of tower you can climb. But where you, it's also a huge painting. And where you jump into the painting decides how low or high the water in the level starts at. And then if you start the water right down at the bottom, then you can trigger all these switches that raises the water. And then there's a cannon right at the top of the level that you can't get to without raising the water all the way up. But then you go in the cannon, then shoot yourself into the corner, and then you go down to this other hole, and then there's like a whole second section where there's like a little underwater village. Um, and I love that fucking puzzle mechanic of raising and lowering the water and stuff like that. I don't understand why so many people hate on that level. I think that level kicks all kinds of ass. Wet Dry World's awesome. That's my number two favorite level. Um, Tall Tall Mountain would be awesome if it wasn't one of those stupid fucking floating island levels where you you spend three minutes climbing the mountain miss one fucking jump and it could very well be because that camera dinks you around and then mario slides down a fucking hill for 20 seconds and falls off the edge of the level and you die and have to start over such bullshit if it wasn't like that i would have no problem with tall tall mountain if you're hearing this, you're probably a gamer. And for our kind, nothing is as precious and valuable as our save files. Have you ever experienced the loss of a save file? It's soul-crushing. Dozens, maybe hundreds of hours of work. Gone, like that. But at the end of the day, it's a video game. It matters, but kinda, you know? That exact scenario, but with a work project, an essay for school, data for your business, that's no joke. That can be really serious. You need a safety net. And I got you, fam, with my partners over at CrashPlan. Visit CrashPlan.com slash RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. CrashPlan has been protecting people's data since 2001. And a couple years ago, they set out on their own with one mission, to provide the 
best damn cloud backup solution on the market. CrashPlan runs quietly in the background of your computer or Mac, and every 15 minutes on the clock, they create a new backup of every file that's changed in that time. So if something goes wrong, God forbid, you don't lose hours, lose days, lose weeks of work. Just log into your account and you can download your most recent backup from the secure cloud servers. And there's not just one backup. There's a laundry list of them. You can pick and choose which one you want. It's like the ultimate undo button. If you work on a computer in any capacity, CrashPlan is a must-have. And if you're thinking, ah, that's for big businesses. I'm just Joe Schmo. CrashPlan protects Joe Schmo. They offer a ton of plans and tiers. So there's a crash plan for everyone from small one-person businesses like me to you fancy businesses in offices with staff and free donuts and all that stuff. Time is money. Why wouldn't you protect your work? Spreadsheets, diagrams, videos, art, podcasts. CrashPlan has you covered. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Uh, Tiny Huge Island has the same problem as Tall Tall Mountain. And that should be the coolest level in the game because it's like giant land from super mario 3 where all the bad guys can be really big or you can go to a pipe and make them back to normal size it could be really fun but fuck me when a bunch of your hard work is reset because again you accidentally step on a steep hill slide all the way down this fucking island because there's no friction in peach's castle at all fall off and have to start it all over again particularly and when i'm ranting about that it's particularly when you're doing the hundred star runs and you guys are the 100 coin runs because to get a, there's a seventh star on each level, but you have to collect 100 coins. And that can be such, oh, if, oh God, when you're at like 90 coins and you accidentally miss one little jump trying to get a coin, slide down a hill, die, and then you got to watch them fall for like three more seconds before it finally just acknowledges that you're dying. Then it spits you out. Then you go back and you have to collect all your fucking coins again. Oh, I, oh, I fucking hate it. But other than that, Tiny Huge Island should be awesome. It's not, but it should be. TikTok Clock. A lot of people shit on this level too because it's too hard, but I like it. I actually really like this level. I like that it's fucking really hard because frankly, I didn't think it ever felt cheap. I didn't think it was cheap at all. I thought it was just, if, if you just take skill, man. If you 100% other Mario games, like Super Mario World has those bonus Star Worlds levels at the end, like most Mario games have like a really hard level or world or something at the end um and it's completely optional you don't have to play tiktok clock to beat this game at all but i love it i loved the challenge of that level because when i finally beat it i felt like i accomplished something plus it's got that awesome time mechanic that i it took me a little while to figure that out and then i realized i could have just talked to the toad standing two feet away and he would have given me a star and explained it but um, it's, if you don't know, to go into this world, you run through the face of a clock and the hands on the clock are always moving. The big hand is always moving. And uh, if the big hand is around like 1 or 2 p.m., uh, then the, the, all the platformers, like all the shifting platforms in the level either stop or they go really slow. I can't remember. And then the closer around the clock to 12, it gets the faster those things are moving. So you need to have them moving to reach the top, but you want to have them moving slow to make it easier. And I think that was, I think that's a clever little touch, man. I like that a lot. I like that level. Fucking kicks ass. And then the final level is rainbow ride uh, that's the one with like the mario or the magic carpets and you're up in the sky and it's hard but i actually really liked it i really liked that level a lot i, I didn't think it was that cheap 
Um, I thought that the free, cause there's nowhere for fucking Lakitu to get stuck on walls or anything. So I thought the camera actually worked surprisingly well on that level. The only issue I had with rainbow ride was trying to get the hundred coins. Cause it just takes forever to fucking traverse that entire level on the magic carpets and stuff like that. And again, you miss one jump, you fall out of the sky, you got to start all over and you lose your 80 coins, or whatever you had. But I, but I like rainbow ride. I thought TikTok clock was way harder than rainbow ride. And I like both of those levels. They're both way better than a couple of the other levels that I fucking ranted around earlier. Like that desert level can't hold either of their fucking shoes, man. It sucks. So now this game still isn't perfect. I know I'm sitting here and I'm, I, I hope that you guys can appreciate just how appreciative I am of Super Mario 64. Now I'm changed my mind. I'm a converted man. I am on board, but it still isn't perfect. I think most would agree that the two biggest issues with this game are either the flying controls, which we'll fucking get into in a minute, or that goddamn camera. Because that camera fucking still sucks. It's not quite as bad as I thought it was. Still isn't good. Uh, Robert Lippa wrote into us on Patreon. And Robert said, I asked for a PlayStation in 1996. My parents pulled a, <laughs> pulled a parents and thought that PlayStation was Nintendo or that every console released was a Nintendo. So they asked for the newest Nintendo and they got a 64 with Mario 64. I was kind of bummed when I opened it, but I was absolutely stoked once we got it hooked up. I just remember being blown away by seeing Mario in 3D after all this time. It was cool to see Goombas and Koopa Troopas fully rendered, which I agree with Robert. But then Robert finishes, but the camera... That thing is god-awful, and if it wasn't for how shitty the camera is, this game would have aged perfectly. Now, it's funny, because I hated that camera when this game came out. I could not grasp it, and I still don't think it's great. I've got it a little bit more figured out now, but I still don't think it's that good, especially when you compare it to the 24 years of 3D camera innovation that we've had since. It seems absolutely archaic. Um, So on one hand, I agree with you, Robert. The camera at times can be borderline game breaking. Why fucking Lakitu, who's flying around behind you with a camera on a fishing pole, why he gets stuck on walls and it can't for the love of God, just let the camera shift into the wall so I can see what the fuck I'm doing. Why you couldn't do that, I don't understand. You don't have to worry about realistic physics here. You're, you're I'm, I'm fucking controlling an obese plumber that can jump seven or eight times higher than he stands and he's jumping into paintings to go to alternate universes to collect stars to fight a giant lizard i don't think you have to worry about a camera being able to pass through fucking walls that's not your deal breaker so i agree in that sense but i do think that nintendo deserves a lot of credit and i think most people would agree with this for laying out the blueprint for how 3d platformers and those cameras and these games should work so many games took inspiration from the camera in mario 64 right so many did obviously a lot of them improved on it but so many nintendo was the one that figured it out when you're a trailblazer when you're the first one doing something you have no blueprint it's on you to just figure it out from scratch and so i think nintendo deserves a lot of credit for that and i also think the way that they decided to have lakitu flying around with the camera on the on the fishing pole was fucking genius because it, it was charming and it kind of explained why you have to shift the camera the way you do to make it work. I just hate the fact that he couldn't go through goddamn walls. Drives me fucking crazy. But the camera was manageable. Manageable. The flying, however. And I think you could be the biggest defender in the world of Mario 64 and agree that the flying is not good. If someone told me, and some of you have, that you'll never play this game again because you don't want to have to fly again. I would understand where you're coming from. I, I could get on board with that. I think they tried to make it like a 3D version of the cape. 
from Super Mario World, where you can do the nose dive and shoot them back up in the sky and stuff like that. But it becomes just such a brutal balancing act between trying to control Mario, trying to land where you have to land or grab the coins or whatever that you have to grab while you're still trying to control that fucking camera and you got to nosedive and then shoot back up for altitude. But he never seems to get more altitude than he fucking lost doing the nosedive. It just works like shit. And it's timed which is so stupid. So you get close to what you have to do and then his stupid hat starts flashing and you realize you're fucked and then the hat wears out and then you fall out of the level and if you're in that stupid level where you need to get the eight coins right near the beginning where you stand on that rug and look up into the carpet and have to get the eight coins. Say you have six of the coins then you fuck up and let your stupid hat expire before you get back to the main platform to get another hat. Then he falls out of the sky now you have to go and get the other six fucking coins all over again. Just give me the hat. Just just let me use it until I die or until I get a star and end the level. Just let me do it. It's not game breaking. It's not going to... It doesn't fucking control well enough to cheat and break the game or anything like that. God damn it. Get bent on making it fucking timed. Just give me the hat and just let me use the hat. It's not like fucking in Super Mario World you got a cape and then after two minutes the cape just disappeared. Fuck that pissed me off like thank god that there wasn't a level built around nothing but flying around in that hat imagine a fucking imagine if rainbow ride had been six stars where you had to just keep getting those fucking hats and flying up to that castle in the sky fuck i would have never 120 it i would have told it to go eat an ass i would have been so done with it the flying sucks and quite frankly the power-ups in this game as a whole kind of suck like the metal hat and the invisible hat are are, are okay i guess they're kind of neat but that's my other big criticism of this game is that there's just the the power-ups kind of stink there's no mushrooms there's no flowers there's no raccoon tails or capes there's no invincibility stars like one of the fun things about a mario game is the power-ups and i love that in future iterations i mean i love mario galaxy and so maybe it's a little because there's not a ton of power-ups in Mario Galaxy either, but it's better than Mario 64. Mario Sunshine had no fucking power-ups either, other than stupid new adapters for Flood. I hate that. Just I want more. I want mushrooms. I want flowers. That's just standard Mario. Give me those things, you know. And then you add in that there's there's no Luigi, there's no Yoshi. I know he's got a cameo, but that doesn't count, right? You lose all these things. You, you take the controls, take the controls out of the equation. Pretend the camera works fine. Pretend flying works. And that's really the biggest issue with Mario 64, in my opinion. You brought in a ton of great new stuff. You innovated like crazy with the camera and the castle and all that things like that. But you also left some of the favorite features that we all love. And clearly the game is good enough that it doesn't cripple it to not have those. But I would have loved to have been able to get a fire flower in Mario 64. Or to get a mushroom and get bigger in Mario 64. And have an extra... Instead of having that 8 hit health wheel, give me just an extra hit. Like Give me standard Mario hits. You know what I mean? Those are my biggest criticisms. And then there's just a couple little things. Like I said, the way Mario slides and slides fucking sucks. This game can be a little confusing. And especially if you've never played it before. And there's no help. Like, I'm floored by that. I, I can't believe they didn't just put a toad in the lobby of the castle that you could go talk to at any time. And he would at least be like, hey, did you try this or something? You know what I mean? Like, they really just... And obviously, we figured it out. And that's part of being a gamer in the mid-90s before the internet. We figured this shit out. But I'm a little surprised that they didn't put something in there to help you. Like, just to help you figure out where to go. That's just me. I'm a little surprised by that. Um, And that's about it, I guess. I mean, it's like replaying it. I 
I gotta be honest, you guys, like when I replayed it on 3D All-Star, I don't remember why I hated it so much. Does that make sense? It's like I had such a beef on this game in the 90s and I was playing through it on 3D All-Stars and I was like, why did I hate this? This is really fun. I had a really good time playing it. I will play it again. One trillion percent. I will play it again and I will do another special run. Another 120 star run. 100%. Aside from the flying stuff and then a few of the levels, collecting the 100 coins is a pain in the ass. There really isn't even anything that I'm dreading about doing again. Maybe the desert level. That like You know, like a lot of video games that you've played through 100 times, there's one section, one level, one segment where you're like, oh, I don't want to fucking do that again. Like if you've played Halo, you're like, the library fucking sucks. Outside of the desert level in Mario 64, there's nothing that like I'm super dreading to playing again. It's a special game. It's a landmark game. And I love that it's so important to so many of you guys. I have a few more comments from you guys that I want to read before we shut this down. Xwater wrote in and said, Super Mario 64 isn't a perfect game, but I love it so much. It's easy to look at it as flawed now with the rough camera, the tricky controls. But remembering that at the time, Super Mario 64 had literally no other good 3D platforming model games to model itself after. Uh, makes it truly a leader at the forefront of 3D. This game will forever be a goat for me. I was five years old when my friend showed me Mario do the special triple jump after collecting 120 stars, and it blew my little brain away. It still does. Fucking right, X-Water. Exactly. Nintendo, and I mentioned that, Nintendo wrote the blueprint for 2D platformers and, and arguably video games as a whole with Super Mario Brothers, and they did it again in Mario 64. Like, that's... It would be like fucking being the, the the first hockey player to 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 take a slap shot and it was just like holy shit you could do that like it's just you know what i mean like people saw this and were like holy fuck we could do that everyone could do that right like one of the reasons i love indie games so much because i play a ton of indie games now is because they, they try crazy new things sometimes that haven't been done before it's it's a fucking hard thing to do both because there's a chance everyone hates it because they're trying something new, but because you're learning as you go and you have nobody telling you what to do. It's like you're trying to figure out how to do something. It'd be like trying to learn how to drive without anyone teaching you how to drive. You know, it's not an easy thing to do. So major tip of my backwards hat to that, right? If everyone had hated Mario 64, this is something I just thought. If everyone had hated this game and hated the camera and hated the controls, where would we be today with video games? I wonder, would 3D platformers still be a thing? Like, would someone else come along and have figured it out? Or would we just be playing 2D? I don't know. It's fascinating to me. James Clark, uh, a.k.a. Chuckletopia, wrote into us on Patreon and said, uh, I spent hours upon hours playing this game at friends' houses. Alas, I was a PlayStation kid after the Super Nintendo. I didn't own a 64 until late in its lifespan. I never did beat the game at my friends' houses, though, and I only got the Nintendo 64 later on to play Majora's Mask, which was kind of a letdown after beating Ocarina of Time with a friend during sleepovers. For the record, and I'm, I'm going to finish James's comment, but Majora's Mask is a fucking letdown. Don't yell at me. I don't care. Okay, anyway, uh, but Mario 64 was always the one that got away. We had a fun time now and then, but it always seemed the summer fling was just that. We're friends on Facebook now, but I always look back and wonder what could have been. I fucking love that analogy, James. I feel like that about the Dreamcast. I love that, that you just look at Mario 64 and just wonder, like, what if we had dated back then? Like, what if we had been a thing? I like that a lot. Go for coffee with 64 James go for coffee pick up Mario 3D All-Stars go to Starbucks sit down have a coffee and just catch up and see what you missed I'm telling you you won't regret it Uh, don't live with regrets fucking see what you missed and you know what that's a great point too I like that people young and old 
are experiencing Mario 64 for the first time with 3D All-Stars. And I'm very curious to see how it's being received if you never played it. Because nostalgia, as you guys know, based on this podcast, is a powerful drug. A powerful drug. If you don't have those attachments to a game, I don't know how it goes over. I'm playing retro games for the first time for this podcast, and I try so hard to envision it as if I had that nostalgic connection to these games when I was growing up. But it's just not the same. There's no way to replace that drug. My girlfriend casually plays Mario. She had never played Mario 64. So when we got this collection, she tried it. And she was like, this kind of sucks. And I get that. It's blocky. The controls are finicky. It's confusing as fuck. And if you don't know what to do and you don't have an attachment to that music and things, I could see how you would fire it up and be like, I fucking, I don't want to play this. You know what I mean? Remember you get, you get like four words to tell you what to do with the star? Like, like, uh, like race to the top and you go into the level like he's like let's go race to the top and you're like what the fuck does that mean like wh- what top where who am i racing you know what i like it's i get how it would be overwhelming to somebody so if you don't have that attachment then i'm curious to see uh how it's received and doug dorn i bring that up because doug dorn wrote into us on patreon and said the mario 3d all-stars release is actually my first experience with mario 64 i somehow missed everything between the first Mario All-Stars and Mario Odyssey. Jesus, Doug. Doug. Aren't you the one that didn't play Contra either? Fucking, that's strike two, Doug Dorn, from like our intro when you said you didn't, anyway, if you, I'm pretty sure you're the one that said you didn't play Contra. Anyway, uh, so he said, he goes and he continues. So far, I can see where some of the frustration came in, but honestly, for a Nintendo 64 launch title, I'm very impressed. You can really see the building blocks that led all the way to Odyssey, which is a huge compliment in my book. I'm looking forward to hearing your new, calmer, solo retrospective on Mario's intro to 3D. Thanks, Doug. Thank you for writing in. Go fucking play those games. And you know what? I've heard several people say that. I said it myself. I agree. I never noticed until this replay of it how much Mario Odyssey was inspired by Mario 64. It's so... And I and I have such a soft spot for Mario Odyssey. It's probably my second favorite Mario game ever. So that's really fucking cool, man. The amount of times in Mario 64 where I grabbed the wrong star because I'm just floating around and then realized that's not even the one I was intended to get this time was so cool. That felt like Mario Odyssey. I fucking loved it. I love that... Oh, I fucking love that concept. I love that it planted the seeds for what became so great. And I really am so happy that I finally clicked and discovered why everyone loves this game so much. And just now it's not just important because I know it's important. It's important because I like it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like now it's, now I'm not just saying it for the sake of saying it. Now I fucking get it. I get the connection. I don't expect to do many episodes like this where I'm going to re we're re-reviewing games. You guys know that, but we're, I'm not going to be re-reviewing a game and apologizing to it and changing my mind hundred percent. But I did that this time. If I was scoring this bad boy out of 120, there's 120 stars. I might give the original Nintendo 64 version uh, 90 because of that fucking controller. But the 3D All-Stars version feels great whether you play it with the Joy-Cons on the side of the Switch or you play it with the Pro Controller, particularly with the Pro Controller. It's so fun to get to experience this game with a real controller. If I'm scoring this, I'm giving it 115 out of 120 on the 3D All-Stars compilation. And not only am I giving it a great score, I'm giving it a heartfelt apology as well i apologize for shitting on you for 23 years mario 64 well done tip of my backwards cap i don't hate you anymore
that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you're thinking, Adam, it takes a big man to fess up and admit he was wrong and apologize on a worldwide, global platform like Remember the Game Industries, and I say that with incredible hyperbole, uh, you're goddamn right. It does take a big man to do that, but I'm a big man, so that is what I fucking did. Listen, if you're enjoying what we do, if you enjoy the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. I'm going to beg you one more time. It's only two bucks. It helps me out so much and you get extra podcasts you get a shout out on the show you get help suggest games you can send in comments and a whole bunch of other stuff this week's episode of expansion pass will be me and some of our listeners including you if you sign up for patreon talking about your favorite scary slash halloween themed games of all time your music it just really helps me so please consider whether you're working through the back catalog or not if you like what i do it's two bucks It's affordable to everyone. We also have a P.O. Box. You can find the full address at our website, rememberthegamepodcast.com. But the the address is Remember the Game, P.O. Box 69181, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, T6V1G7. Don't send me any big gifts. Don't send me any glitter bombs or regular bombs or drugs or ricin or anything that's going to get me in trouble just a postcard from where you're listening from or a letter something like that would be really rad and i'll send you something back too like that'd be really fucking cool to me so hook me up send say something nice send, send, just, just send me a letter right the post office is just sitting there fucking doing nothing all around the world give them something to do give them a postcard to deliver and check us out on twitch i stream there tuesdays thursdays and sunday nights if my comedy schedule cooperates it's a member the game twitch.tv and then look for member the game not remember member the game you can follow me it is free it'll tell you whenever i'm online you can come hang out i love chatting with you guys we play video games it's a lot of fun And that'll do it for this week's episode. Game Patch 10.0 hits the internet Friday morning for Patreons, Monday morning for free feeds. Expansion Pass will be back for episode 31 on Sunday. And I'll be back in seven days with episode 121 of Remember the Game. Thanks for listening, you guys. Take it easy. Wash your hands. Clean your controllers. Go play fucking Mario 64. Cheers. Remember the Game is brought to you by our Patreons. I just simply could not produce all the stuff that I'm producing these days without your support. And I would like to take a quick moment to thank every single one of you that has supported us at patreon.com slash rememberthegame. And I'm going to do these in alphabetical order again because it's just too goddamn hard to try to work backwards because I'm used to doing it the other way. So if, you're, if your name starts with like an S, a T, a Z... You're right at the end. I'm sorry. Maybe put it on two times speed and go through. And the newest Patreons, you got, I'm going to say you guys right at the top from here on out instead of at the end because you guys are new. You get you get your one brief moment of sun at the top before you get stuck in wherever you belong in the lineup. So a huge thank you to Retro Ghosty Ghost, X Water, Vincent L, Very Cool Dude, Aaron Kapal, Aaron Lawson, Adam Anderson, Adam Osciarello, Alan C, Alex Martinez, Andre, Andrew Halopchuk, Andrew Wright, Andy Baker, Another Stupid Monkey, April Zane, Arpad Botos, Ashley Cronenbitter, Batter Barhumi, Ben Bullio, Ben Busha, Ben Drinkin, Bradley McHugh, Brandon O'Brien, Brian McKay, Brian Medeiros, Brian Ransom, Bullfrog, Charlie M, Chris Campbell, Chris Flurry, Chris Wilson, Christopher Russell, Chuck Schlarp, Corey, Craig Rutt, Crash Bandicoot, Chris Knife 007, Dan T, Danny Vega, Dario Omen, Dave L, Dave McGee, Dave Thompson, David Ray, Desert Tortoise, Divalk, Duhow, Doug Dorn, Doxer, Dustin L, Dylan, Eric Canard, Evan Refuse, Fraser Burns, Gary C, Geek Life Radio, Grimpy, Andre SJA Flash, James Clark, Jason Adams, Jason Cortez, Jeff Johnson from Game on GNT, Jeffrey Mathis, Jer Bear, Joe Buck, Joe Gillespie, Joe Mack, John Doskis, John Quack, Jordan, 
Josh Morgan, Josh from the Press Start to Join podcast, Kate Roberts, Casey Rarick, Keegs, Kevin Chincholo, Kevin Donlin, Kevin Hufford, CryptoVox, Kyle Paul, Lane Orr, Leon Natskog, Les Winan, Luca, Mackenzie Wheeler, Mark Jones, Mark McHugh, Mark 209, Matt McLean, Matthew Davis, Michael Mathis, Mikhail Haig, Mike, Mike Brady, Mike Malawaney, Nicholas Blackshaw, Miles from BringBackRetro.com, Morgan, Mr. Impressive, Mr. Nick, Nathan Tremblay, Nathan W., Nick Sills, No One Cares, OG Big Titus, Rex, Robert Fuchsia, Robert L., Rome 21, Ryan Bashor, Ryan Kinchin, Ryan Yeager, Scott Brooks, Scott V., Sean Razine, Sharonic, Slick Rick, Stupid Monkey, Super Maryho, The T Word, Thomas D. Reynolds, Todd, Tom, Tony, Travis, Trevor Hiller, Hillier, fuck, I was so close to not fucking one up. Trevor Hillier, Tyler Vladstein, Whiteboro, Wyman Brooks, Yamcha, and Zane Donovan. Thank you guys so much for the support. I appreciate it. Take it easy, and I'll talk to you again soon. Cheers.